0: This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to Michigan Sports and for more great podcasts. La, 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 la. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm your host, RJ Metzger. And I'm Rachel Metzger. And we have with us today a couple special guests. Uh, We have Mike and Mark from Massive Late Fee, which we've been talking about this collaboration for a little while and also trying to direct you guys to their show for a little while. So hopefully you're familiar with them. But Mike, Mark, go ahead and say hi.
1: How's it going? We're big fans of your show.
0: And we appreciate that. It's been a nice partnership. (laughs) Um, But... uh, so if you guys want to go ahead and give a little blurb about your show and how to get there, that would be great.
1: Well, we talk uh, TV and movies um, and pretty much anything that's on our mind. Hot ones on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> and you can uh, you can find our show uh, anywhere you find the Skeptical Skeptics, YouTube, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iTunes. Uh, we're at Massive Late Fee. You can find us uh, at Massive Late Fee on Yahoo.com or on Yahoo.com. On uh, what's the word? I'm Twitter, call
2: Twitter. Twitter.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> they're, they're pretty much the same. <laughs> you can find us on MySpace. Um, Mike, we, have, got,
3: we don't have any friends on there yet, but uh, we're working toward it. Just what? Tom.
0: Once I finally make my our MySpace, I'm sure we could be mutual <laughs> top eighters. For right. each
3: other. I, they uh, still have that. It's very odd what's going really on over
0: <laughs> I didn't know MySpace was even a thing anymore. It's like <laughs> a music platform mostly yeah, now, I think. Yeah. yeah,
3: it's really weird. You can you log in with Facebook, which is very strange.
0: Right. <laughs> you know that thing that killed us? Log in with that. <laughs> I think they've given up. Excellent. So, yeah, everybody go ahead and check out their show. Uh, it's a really fun look at entertainment. And specifically, my favorite part is uh, Mike specifically doesn't watch much. So that makes it a very fun dynamic uh, as a listener. Um, and my favorite segment is the educating Mike segment. I think that one's that one's really good. Um so today's a special episode because we're going to be doing a JFK special, which we've been talking about for a couple episodes. And Rachel does not like the JFK conspiracy thing. It's just it's not, not that her thing. I don't
4: like it. I'm just not into it. I would much rather talk about murderers and ghosts. And well, this is a murder. No murderers, serial killers. Not one guy.
0: Whatever. Anyway, it's not one guy.
2: <laughs> Less than. <laughs> it's not oh, one guy. Okay, That's okay what we're getting but to. one
4: kill.
0: Oh wow. OK, so, the so Rachel,
1: you, you would prefer if uh, if someone killed several presidents in a row.
4: <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that yeah, be probably. Story, yeah. <laughs> that'd be awesome.
0: So anyway, that's why we brought Mike and Mark, because I need somebody else to nerd out with because this is such a fun topic. So weird fact of the week this week is, of course, JFK related. And I don't know if you guys have heard about this. I almost hope you haven't. But there has been. Uh, And this was actually even mentioned in the Warren Commission, but there were a bunch of sightings of a second Oswald um, who was at a local gun range in Texas uh, a couple days prior to the assassination. But this Oswald had a gun that shot fireballs and looked futuristic. And it has been postulated recently that this may have been an alternate dimension Oswald that harnessed the amount of emotion that would come from his subsequent killing and accidentally leaped dimensions. Well,
4: like, there's multiple witnesses
0: of this. Yes, and actually the Warren Commission even had like a little blurb of people reporting in that they had seen this guy.
1: That is pretty crazy. I've, I have not I have not heard that one at all.
3: Yeah, I haven't heard of that either. It sounds uh, pretty nuts, but I've, I've thought about it before. What if it was like an alternate dimension where uh, Kennedy had to be assassinated?
1: Yeah, yeah, so... There's, there's a show called Red Dwarf. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but, uh, in one of the episodes, they do this time jumping thing and they, they end up saving President Kennedy, but it turns out really badly. Like, uh, his affairs are found out and he's, uh, disgraced and has to end up leaving office and everything. So they decide that they're going to go back and fix it. And Kennedy's there in the future that they're in alive. And they say to him, you know, they, they basically give him the choice. You know, we can go back and make sure the assassination goes off correctly and not, you know, not stop Oswald or, um, you know, you can live in disgrace as you've done. And so he chooses to die a hero basically. And it ends up that Kennedy is the guy on the grassy knoll that shoots himself.
2: That's awesome. (laughs)
0: oh that's that is (laughs) great that's awesome i think maybe these people that came up with this second uh second oswald theory maybe just saw that episode and like ran away with it (laughs) because geez but yeah so that one's crazy That was in the
3: original uh, Warren commission report that uh, talking about the fireball gun.
0: No. So uh, the only thing that they mentioned were uh, these sightings of Oswald. And uh, those people were like, we talked about this fireball gun, but they didn't put that part in there. (laughs) Uh But but the sightings were what was mentioned. Um, Although I haven't been through the entire Warren commission, which uh, I guess so. The Warren commission was the 26 volumes, but uh, now that they've had that Subsequent release of the all the documents, which we'll talk about because of the JFK movie. Uh, there's now six million documents, like government documents, about this. So I'm sure there's something in there. That's a lot. That is so much. It went from 26 <laughs> volumes or like 3,000 pages to uh, 30,000 pages to 6 million pages just in the last year. <clears throat> that is insane. Yeah. Um, okay, so... What I figured we'd start with is just kind of the official story, kind of just nail that timeline uh, from start to finish. That way, anybody who is either rusty on it or has never really looked into the JFK thing will kind of have, um, you know, just a base history. So, um, and I'll also refresh our memories because I don't want us to sound overly stupid, um, even though being a little stupid is good for the show.
5: Here is a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. This picture has just been transmitted by wire. It is a picture taken just a moment or two before the incident. If you can zoom in with that camera, we can get a closer look at this picture. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, some 38 minutes ago. Vice President Lyndon Johnson (coughs) has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, Presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th President of the United States.
0: Uh, The murder itself happened on November 22nd, 1963. Um, And of course, this is the most basic part. But JFK was visiting Dallas and was shot in a motorcade, which was famously captured on the Zapruder film. The Zapruder film was not released to the general public. So um, here's why I wanted to go through a timeline, because and this is what we talked about in y'all's show. It's kind of hard for us to remember exactly how things uh, occurred Um, So the Warren Commission was uh, done in 1964. It took 10 months. Something else I found interesting was uh, that prior to the release of the Warren Commission, 52% of Americans believed that there was a conspiracy that led to his killing. However, after the release of the Warren Commission in 1964, 87% of people believed in the commission's findings. So they thought that it was a lone man killer, um, according to a couple Gallup polls. Now, in 1966, um, the book Rush to Judgment and Jim Garrison's investigation, which was fictionalized in the movie JFK, uh, both happened. And there was also a 1966 Life magazine uh, article which published colored reproductions of the Zapruder film and called for uh, another investigation based on what was in those frames. So it was not the Zapruder film was not released in motion because life magazine actually had the rights to it for another 10 years. Um, but these frames were released in life magazine. Another thing about that life magazine article was that it had, uh, governor Connolly stating that quote, they talk about the one bullet or two bullet theory. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, there is no theory. This is my absolute knowledge and Nellie's too, that one bullet caused the president's first wound. And then an entirely separate shot struck me. Mrs. Connolly added, no one will ever convince me otherwise. And her husband concurred. It's a certainty. I'll never change my mind. So between the garrison investigation, the rush judgment book and this 19 1966 Life magazine article, uh, a lot of doubt started creeping into that certainty from the Warren Commission um, and the reports from it. So some of the um, questions that came about. From that was that uh, the Warren Commission found that Oswald fired three shots in 8.6 seconds, which is a hard thing to do, but doable. However, in subsequent tellings, um, that time went down to seven seconds and then five seconds. And I think famously in the JFK film, they said it was six seconds and no expert shooters could recreate it. Um, And so that kind of added some doubt. In addition to that, you have your magic bullet theory, um, which was that the Warren Commission... Uh, stated that the second bullet would go through JFK's neck, uh, come out of the front side of his neck, go into Governor Governor Connolly's uh, back, and then exit through his right nipple area and crack a rib while doing so, then go through his wrist and then enter his left thigh. This one bullet that was supposedly did all that was found intact and on the stretcher that... Uh, carried Governor Connolly, so that bullet going through all that, not fragmenting, co- combined with Governor uh, with Governor, Con- Governor Connolly's um, comments in the magazine, added a lot of doubt to that, which then started the whole there must have been a second shooter issue. So, in March sixth of nineteen seventy-five, the Zapruder film was released on Geraldo Rivera's show. And um, a lot of conspiracy theorists ran away with the with the notion that in one of the frames when Kennedy was hit, his head actually jolted backwards and to the left, which is the opposite of what you would think if he was shot uh, from the rear, which is what the Warren Commission decided. So and these are the last couple of bullet points, and then we'll finally get to talking. Uh, but like I said, it's just to establish the timeline. Um, after the. Most recent doubt uh, that was cast onto the Warren Commission. And also after some revelations came forth that the CIA did not work fully with the Warren Commission, despite the CIA director or former CIA director Alan Dulles being on the commission. Uh, there was actually a second investigation ordered in December of 1978, which was run by the House Select Committee on Assassinations, which is a great name for a <laughs> committee and. Um, but they concluded with 95% certainty of, that there was a second shooter and a greater conspiracy involved, but that they don't know who the shooter was or who were conspirators. Uh, the main reason b- behind their uh, conclusion and why they were so confident in saying this was because there was a motorcycle cop uh, that day who had his microphone stuck in the on position. So he was running a hot mic and they analyzed that audio clip and found that there were six distinct gunshot sounds, however, uh, that uh, method has been not debunked but uh, wouldn't be really used today. So like a lot of people have really put that second uh, investigation down. But it is worth noting that that is the government that came up with that same thing saying there that, that it was you know the result of conspiracy and that they were sure there was a second uh, shooter. and that's something that people have latched on to. Finally, when the movie JFK was released in 1991, Um, which was admittedly mostly fictionalized. Um, Still, it drove a petition of 40,000 plus people uh, demanding for the document releases from the assassination. And that's whenever uh, in October 2017, they released up to six million pages based on this assassination. So that's your timeline pretty much start to finish and where some of those doubts kind of crept in. And then So many theories jumped in from that. And so we're going to talk about a lot of them. But like I said, just wanted to reestablish the timeline that way. If we're bouncing around here and there, everybody's starting from like the same point of information. Whew, man, that was a lot. Okay. So. Now let's get into the theory. So uh, Mark actually had a theory he wanted to share, and uh, that's why I was really excited to bring him on. And I really wanted to start with that one. So, Mark, if you would like to go for it.
1: Sure. Um, so this theory comes from a man named uh, Howard Donahue. He was a uh, a marksman expert and one of the 11 uh, people that they brought, the Warren Commission actually brought in to Dallas to try to recreate what they believed Oswald did, getting off these three shots and hitting their marks uh, in the time allotted. He was uh, the only marksman that was able to actually beat the 5.9, I think it was 5.9 or 5.6 second limit that they gave them to do it in. Um, And so that kind of started his interest in this assassination and what the Warren commission was doing. And he, Kind of being a sort of on the inside a little bit, both on the inside and the outside. He realized that they had kind of a shocking lack of ballistics experts, um, to go over everything that, that kind of went on. And so he started doing a lot more investigating, uh, about this. And he, he felt that the trajectory of the third shot, the headshot, That real famous one in the Zabruder film where you can see the exit wound, um, it didn't make a lot of sense coming from a high position. So he started doing a lot of investigating and uh, it ramped up a lot more when the Zabruder film was actually released and everything, but he did a lot of Kind of amateur investigating on his own, and he realized, he, like he quickly realized that the single bullet theory of the one bullet that goes through Kennedy's neck and hits Governor Governor Connolly, he um, he quickly ra- realized that that was probably correct. That a lot of the. Th- the problems people were having was that they were mispositioning um, where governor Connolly was sitting in the automobile. So when he made that adjustment, he said that that makes sense. And uh, the rifle, the uh, Caracano or however you pronounce that mm-hmm. rifle that Oswald was using, um, used uh, full metal jacket bullets. Uh, they tend to be, they tend to be a little heavier, a little slower, but a lot more durable and they're the completely coated, you know, bullets. Um, And it made sense to him that that bullet could go through all those body parts and, you know, um, do the damage that it said it did. The headshot is the one that he had the problem with because it seemed more like that they were uh, frangible bullets, you know, like hollow point bullets that shatter and cause all these, uh, you know, uh, internal damage, basically that I, I believe they're made that way to prevent, uh, collateral damage basically to, to not hit, to, to basically not hit another person like the other bullet hit Connolly to basically just hit their target and then shatter. And it seemed to him that that's what that third bullet was. Um, so he theorized like the, the, um, official, the official story is that Oswald missed with his first shot. His second shot hit Kennedy in the back of the neck and then came through his neck. And then the third shot hit his head. And his theory is that actually, um, Oswald only hit him once with the first shot through the neck that went into Governor Governor Connolly, and then missed the other two. His his rationale is that it seems unlikely that uh, you know a sniper would miss with the first shot that that uh, that he takes when it's a slower moving target and everything, and and successfully hit with the other two shots. Plus the fact that the angle of trajectory doesn't make sense for the third shot. So <clears throat> he did some more investigating and, uh there was new pictures that came out showing um showing the secret service agents behind that were in the car directly behind them holding uh one of them holding his AR15 rifle which used the kind of bullets that he believed was the bullet that hit kennedy in the head um so he wrote a, he he partnered with a a, uh, journalist named Bonner Menager, and they uh, wrote a book called Mortal Error. Um, And they talked to uh, different journalists and stuff about their theory. Their theory was actually published in 1973, I believe, in uh, the Baltimore Sun newspaper. And his theory was that in the confusion, because he knows kind of how, uh, you know, firefights work out and feel you know, friendly fire can be a very dangerous thing. His theory is that in the confusion, the Secret Service agent picked up his AR-15 when the shots rang out. You can see in the picture that their heads are craned towards the book depository from where the shots are coming. But the rifle is kind of held straight the car that they were in, because the shots started firing, started um, speeding you know, faster and then stopped abruptly. And basically that he was standing on the cushion, this um, this Secret Service agent, instead of standing on the floor, he was standing on the seat cushion. And he kind of rocked forward. His gun went off. My gosh. On, ac- wow. on accident, hit Kennedy in the head. And the reason that there's all these different uh, things that don't kind of add up and lead towards conspiracy is because they covered this up to not destroy the Secret Service agent's life. Also, he was on duty because a few of Secret Service agents went out uh, the night before in Dallas, had a lot of drinks, and weren't able to to complete their duty. Basically, that's the rumor. And that's one of the reasons why he was there. So that would have been even more of a black eye to the Secret Service, not only losing a president, but all this other stuff coming out and kind of destroying this guy's life for, you know, an accident. Their, their theory, basically like, ah, he probably would have died anyway. Um, so that's kind of why they covered it up. It, it explains um, why Kennedy's brain went missing, in yep. 1966 from the National Archives. Now the brain was kept in the National Archives. Obviously there are different levels of security in the National Archives, but you would have to have some of the highest level of security to act to actually physically access John F Kennedy's brain from the National Archives. So they feel that uh you know that went missing in 66 to hide the fact that it was the this kind of bullet with with you know that shattered inside. That um, and not uh, the same bullet that Oswald was using. Um, uh, there, the other thing was uh, there were witnesses that said that one of the hospital, uh, like a a nurse or another doctor, was on the phone with RFK, and he was quoted as saying, "There's been an accident." Um, another interesting kind of side story to this is on the night that the assassination happened. Uh, Lyndon Johnson was back in the White House and he was uh, he went for a walk on the grounds and one of the Secret Service agents didn't know who it was because Kennedy had always told them when he was going to be walking when he was going to be out and LBJ didn't do that so he heard someone walking and he was all keyed up because of the assassination earlier that day he pulled a gun on LBJ as he's walking around the corner and almost shot him in the chest Wow uh, gosh. And like LBJ and him just looked at each other, and then LBJ turned and walked away. and he was later quoted as saying, um, supposedly quote, quoted as saying, uh, the secret service people are gonna kill me now. Oh, wow. Uh, um, so, and uh, I believe I now this one I'm not exactly sure, but I believe one of the bullets is unaccounted for. And yes. so this Howard Donahue believes that the reason the bullet is unaccounted for is because, you know, it shattered inside and everything. And, you know, all the pieces were basically kind of collect anything, you know, that could be led back to that were collected and covered up. But it kind of explains, um, you know, the trajectory, why it was a more of a low angle than a high angle. And so he thinks that it explains basically all those those things that kind of tend towards a cover up. He also points out that he believes that the bullet that Oswald shot through the back of the neck uh shattered the vertebrae. So at the most Kennedy would have ended up being a vegetable. Right. Basic basically making this, you know, a tragic accident, but not anything that would have actually changed what would have happened. So that's kind of the uh the theory. I always thought it was a, a pretty interesting one and one that a lot of people don't really talk about.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Mark already solved it, guys. So this has been another episode. of No, uh, uh, no but seriously, that I, I've actually never heard that one, which not only, you know, is it like we have a podcast about conspiracy theories, but also I specifically researched JFK and I didn't come across this at all. So, so um, oh. uh, super glad you brought that up.
3: Yeah, I've heard about this one before, actually, and uh, I've heard about another one that was like th- the other one I heard about that is similar. Might be the dumbest like version of this uh, conspiracy I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> the other one claims that the driver just turned around and shot him in the face. Yes, yeah, yeah, I've heard, heard that one. That would just make no. That doesn't make a shred of sense.
1: Right.
0: So, uh, yeah, I heard that one because in the Zapruder room you can see the driver turn around. And he's like literally, obviously, just checking on Kennedy. But like people thought, right. yeah, he was finishing the job. But no, that actually. That makes so much sense because like, like he said, it, it explains trajectory, explains um, a lot of the secrecy following, you know, because like it's kind of like what we talked about on y'all's episode. Like if the government wanted to bury that, I get it, you know, like I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to hold that one against them because not only would it ruin that one agent's life, like like you said, but also like just the pure. We already lost a president. We already broke all these protocols, which we talked about on your show and I'll bring up here in a second. But um, and then it ended up being, we friendly fired the first, you know, president in the history. Right. Uh, I mean, that would be, yeah, I mean, I would, I would hide that as well, but the, the ballistics makes so much more sense because that was one thing that I always had an issue with. Cause up until I heard this theory, I, I was always kind of a proponent of the single bullet and single shooter theory. Um, but the one thing that always bothered me was. Kennedy's major head trauma was from what the supposed entry wound and then the supposed exit wound was more clean. And that's the exact opposite of what you would expect. Hollow point, uh, full metal jacket or otherwise doesn't matter. That's Mm -hmm. the part that always bothered me with his head. So that actually makes a ton more sense. And then also uh, leads the credence to. The multiple gunshots being heard, Connolly's testimony, all of it makes more sense using that theory.
3: Actually, there's there's one part about that theory that doesn't make much sense to me. And the uh, the, the fact that uh, anyone would mistake a, a 223 uh, yep. round for a 268 uh, Carcano, that's like a completely different scale of a round. I mean, 268 is almost 270. You would never mistake the two for each other.
0: True. That so, that, yeah, the acoustics of that would be totally different. And then also the, the, the one thing that, you know, kind of bothered me about that too, was the, if it were more to confirm the grassy knoll location, then that makes sense. But this sounds like it was from a totally different locale as well. Um, Yeah. It was from behind. Yeah. And none of the witnesses, you know, purported seeing the secret service fire back or, you know, heard it from that direction. So that's the only part there. And also if it was from behind as well, that also doesn't actually solve the, the exit wound issue that I had uh, with his head so couple holes there but still a very interesting theory
4: well, I, think, think... I like to think about that is the fact that like what if like what if part of the reason that they had all these guys come and like the ballistic guys come and test out shooting is so they could like pray that one of those guys would be good enough that it'd be like hey it looks like it was the same <laughs> do you know what I mean like, like they're trying to cover their asses so they're like please please make it you know like just this is like shot in the dark of like maybe this will I,
1: work I can just see like the head of secret service like standing in a corner just sweating bullets. Guys just keep missing and missing it's like I'll bring in more guys yeah like that like that gif of Jordan Peele
0: just like right. pouring sweat yeah um
3: I think that's another big issue with all. I mean, a lot of these uh, conspiracies hinge on, like, you know, people's like ideas of how, you know, physics work or, you know, what the ballistics would tell you at the time. But I don't think the science of ballistics and that sort of thing were really advanced at this.
0: And that's actually going off at that point, Mike. um, That's one of the things that really put to rest a lot of the conspiracy issues was um, in 2004, I believe there was another. Uh, more high tech uh, redoing of the and it was funded by Discovery Channel. I actually filmed and stuff. It was kind of a crappy documentary, but the science was cool. Um, But they redid everything from the positioning to um, blood splatter analysis to all sorts of different stuff. And they, you know, concluded that their marksman could do not only what Oswald did, but actually better where he didn't miss the first shot. Um, And they Um, were able to confirm it with the. Blood spotter analysis and uh, line it up with the super super from what's actually considered one of the main debunking uh, investigations that used a lot of modern technology that at the time they just simply didn't have access to.
1: I have a question now, Mike and RJ, you guys are both, um, you know, shooters. Do you is there a reason or what do you think the reason would be for Oswald to miss the first shot? Is it a sighting issue or, or something like that?
0: So they actually did say that his scope uh, had an issue um, whenever Mm -hmm. they they found the rifle. Um, I do. So I would be more of the proponent of my first shot, I think, would be the one that would be on target and the subsequent shots would be harder. I certainly think so. Yeah. um, Although wasn't
3: really counting for the lead properly i guess and, <clears>
0: exactly oh. well and that was the other that so that was the one thing that i was about to say too was that um the first shot was the target in motion but the motorcade did stop and slow down and so that would make uh the slowing down would make like as the driver turned around and and as commotion kind of broke loose uh and then also just the thought that you know maybe oswald settled in. But generally speaking, your adrenaline would dump on the first shot. So that that's something I've always had an issue with as well from the single shooter theory is just just that would be very difficult to do. (laughs) a big part about
3: this too is that that uh the carcano rifle was even at that time just a piece of junk, a junk it was like yeah. a surplus rifle i mean i think i looked it up because I, I, they said how much it cost back then i think it was like less than two, in modern day dollars it would be less than 200 dollars, which yep. is like yep. you're not going to buy any high-end rifle you know by any stretch of the imagination of that price
0: right it was a yeah it was like a mail order 20 dollar rifle mm-hmm. and yeah shot like it and i think that Uh, one of the other things, so since we're talking about ballistics, I'll drop these, uh, theories in there. So, uh, one thing was a spectator named James Tague, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, he claimed he was hit with a piece of shrapnel in his, uh, cheek and Mm -hmm. they actually found in the Warren commission. It's, it's noted in there as well. Um, a pockmark where another bullet would have hit, um, the the ground, but it doesn't fit into because Tag's testimony uh, clearly it was not the first shot that hit him. So that would uh, you don't have enough time if there's only one shooter with three bullets in order to get Tag uh, and the the miss and the two hits all in the same get go. And that goes hand in hand with Connolly's testimony as well um, that there were multiple shots, and also goes hand in hand with the theory that Mark just put out there. So. In regards to the ballistics and actually so one thing I want to talk about, too, is I never put together the difference between hollow point and full metal jacket in regards to his headshot, because that actually makes a ton of sense, like uh, that his head was the one that was totally different ballistics and whether or not (laughs) it was that secret service agent or a grassy knoll shooter, that mm -hmm. still makes more sense that it was a different round that did that. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I've I've been trying to look up exactly what type of ammunition Oswald uh, used, but I I can't really seem to find reference. My guess would it would just be full metal jacket rounds because he probably bought cheap. I mean, I shouldn't go with this cheap gun. It was.
0: Yeah,
1: it was the The cheapest assassin ever. No, no, really. I mean, I mean, that's to me.
3: I, I would think if he was being set up by somebody else, he'd at least give him something decent to shoot with. I mean, because that almost makes it implausible that he used this carcano to assassinate.
2: Right,
0: uh yeah, it was it was a full metal jacket, just cheap round because the one that uh was found from Colin Connolly was essentially intact, and th- that's what they mentioned on it. yeah, I'm not even sure
3: how common like uh, soft points or hollow point ammunition was at the time. so I don't, I mean, I don't think it I, was I, I'd be surprised if it was yeah, yeah I, I know they experimented way back in the 40s with at least some high velocity like handgun rounds, but yeah, it's never I mean, I don't even think like um, the FBI started using it until like the 90s, so it's right. not common you know by any stretch.
0: Exactly. Um, so, a couple other uh, theories here. Well, so one thing that was proposed in the movie that modern conspiracy theorists and, and all sorts of conspiracy theorists did hang on to was why didn't Oswald take the shot while um, the president was on Houston Street if he was actually acting alone? Because that was a dead like the, the president would have been coming at him and it would have provided him more and better shot opportunities based on the. Uh, The um, trees that were actually in front of the book depository, uh, Mm. where if he waits until they turn on Elm, that only makes sense if it's going to be an ambush maneuver and he has multiple shooters. So one thing that, uh, you know, the mainstream, like the official story counts for that is Oswald wasn't in position uh, in time to get the shot off in Houston Street. But that one to me has been an interesting uh, question because definitely if I were taking the shot, I would take the Houston street shot, not the Elm street shot.
3: But didn't he have access to his job at the book depository where he could, you know, reasonably get in and out without causing, you know, any, uh, any.
0: Yeah. So he did, he had access to the building, but, uh, eyewitnesses and this is again, something conspiracy theories have gone off of. Um, uh, but eyewitnesses did see, see that he was not, uh, actually up in position, uh, In time and actually postulated that he never made it to the sixth floor was what some of those eyewitnesses said. But if you were to follow that uh, and say he still did make it to that sixth floor, you could kind of piece together that he just didn't quite get up there quick enough. Um, But, yeah, he had had full access to it. And if he knew that motorcade was coming down, which he did, um, I, I mean, if it were me, I would get set up and do the straight ahead shot.
3: See, a big problem I have, too, with a lot of these theories is timing. I mean, people are like you mentioned earlier, the amount of time between the shots or how long all three of them took, how long it took for Oswald to get up the stairs when he was where he was. You know, there's no way to unless you have a picture of him in front of a clock. You're not really going to be able to accurately depict either location or.
0: Exactly. I think that's one of the main reasons why this actually is the most moment like it has the most momentum of, of any conspiracy theory is the fact that we will never 6 million pages from the government be damned. Like, I don't think we'll ever be able to actually piece together every bit of it. And I think that that's what leads so much legal wiggle room for these conspiracies.
4: Well, I was just thinking about that. Like, I think one of the biggest reasons it is, it's not only is it a huge thing that happened in history, right? But also, he died so quickly afterwards that we got literally nothing from him. I mean, we got nothing. Right. So like.
0: Oswald. you're yeah, talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
4: Oswald. So it's like because of that, we the all these conspiracy theories can grow because you never got to, you know, I mean, how important is it that we hear from the killer's mouth for some reason that they did this and why they did it and how they did it? Well, I think that's things.
0: a that's a thing, too, like Jack Ruby doing what he did is what ignited Oh, for sure. So much of like the mob connection and, you know, this, this, that, and the other thing. And like, you know, the whole silencing. And then the fact that Oswald before he died, you know, was I'm a patsy. I'm a patsy. Right. So, uh, but yeah, well, I mean, it's, even if
4: he was alive and, and said a bunch of stuff like that, like we could at least be like, he's a liar.
0: At you know? least. Yeah. <laughs> like we
4: could just be like, oh, that guy's crazy. He shot the president. Like, what are you talking about? But we got nothing. So because of that, we just get to go off our own imaginations. And, and another thing I was actually thinking about what Mike was talking about, like, we all talk about like the perfect shot or the perfect time or whatever. And it's like, can you imagine that's a high pressure situation? Like how easy it would be to get off by two seconds of when you're supposed to do something or how you're supposed to do, you know what I mean? Like well, something everything that working about. out perfectly probably is not realistic. And so a lot of times we like, well, this didn't work out exactly this way or he didn't take the perfect shot. Or, and it's like, yeah, but there's a high chance that, You'd be freaking out like you'd be losing your freaking mind.
0: Well, not only that, but yeah, something exactly like to that end that I was thinking about is it literally like he could have wanted that Houston street shot and then was literally just held up by a co-worker saying, hey, you know, did you grab that stack of yeah, papers right. or, or something or like, like that? Or he thought it wouldn't take something as long so and simple. it took longer
4: to get upstairs or whatever. Right. right.
0: Or he was taking a piss. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, do you go with those curtain
2: rods.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do do you guys know about um, the assassination attempt of uh, General Edwin Walker that happened uh, in February of '63? Are you talking
0: about uh, Oswald's first attempt to kill? Is that
1: yeah? Well, that's that's the uh, that's the theory is that Oswald uh, attempted to. To assassinate him, he was a uh, for the the audience that do, for people in the audience that don't know, he was a conservative politician who was thinking about running for president. He was he was a general during the uh, during World War II and the Korean War, and he was thinking about getting into politics, making speeches and things like that. And uh, somebody uh, took a shot at him while he was in his home in 1963. Um, and this kind of, uh, you know, the connection to Oswald is through a guy named like George D. D uh, Morin Schilt. Is that how you say his name? Something like that. Um, but uh, they uh, they think that he may have taken that shot, failed. And then uh, like seven days after that is when he ordered the new rifle. And so it's like if Oswald did it, is he just like the most inept assassin ever that just got lucky (laughs) right that's kind
3: of how i feel from what i have read about oswald in general
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i
0: mean if if we're to talk about like what our personal thoughts are um i think that oswald did do it i just also think that there were people in the intelligence community that knew that he would and um Either didn't stop him or even went as far as helped him, Um, because that's my personal thought is I do think that he was the type of person that would do it. I do think he had the ability to do it and that the ballistics did make enough sense to say he did it. Um, I'm just not certain he was alone in the actual conspiracy to murder. Um, But yeah,
1: my personal feeling is probably that he acted by himself uh obviously none of us know for certain anything but uh but yeah my personally my personal theory is that he was the lone gunman but kind of picking up on what you were saying RJ it would not surprise me at all because you know he he was a communist sympathizer he passed out pamphlets he had um contact with this russian petroleum guy uh george de morinchet Um, and, uh, you know, he was being, he was being looked at. I mean, like the, the evidence of that is out there that the FBI was at least had somewhat of an eye on him, uh, you know, as they did a lot of people in, in that time period. But, um, it wouldn't surprise me if they, kind of knew that he might do something and because of, you know, Kennedy's policies on certain things basically just said, well, you know, if he does it, whatever, you know, we can, right. we, we can kind of live with it and if he doesn't then fine, you know? Um, so that's sort of my, my take on it.
0: Well, and I think, you know, going off of that, cause it, again, that's kind of how I feel. It, I mean, it could have been, uh, let's just say we had a perfect knowledge of exactly how this went down. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a whole department worth of people that, you know, secretly under the table decided this also wouldn't surprise me if one dude with the critical piece of information didn't do something with it. Mm-hmm. And he made the decision, you know, to, uh, help by standing by, but I mean, like from a small group to one that just too much went down that day that I think would, would, were it was in Oswald's favor without any help in my opinion. um,
3: he got very lucky in a lot of ways,
0: right? So, real quick, just for the audience's sake, um, and you know, because we can keep talking about Oswald, and I want to, I just want to provide a little more background on him. Because since Mark, you mentioned it a little bit, so um, he did know a little bit of Russian and was uh, actually at the Russian embassy uh, pr- a couple weeks prior to the. Um, mm-hmm to the assassination attempt. uh, And that raised a lot of eyebrows from people both inside and outside of the intelligence community, because a lot of people have thought that he was a true Russian defector and worked as a KGB agent, even a Manchurian candidate type of thing, or was not a true Russian defector um, and was actually a fake one being sponsored by the intelligence community from the conspiracy theorists. Like that's kind of 50 50 half of them want to blame Russia. The other half want to blame the U S they kind of tailor the story to that. Um, beyond that, he also applied for a Cuban visa, um, and was denied. So then that adds in a third theory to his motivation to do the killing, which would be, um, that, uh, he was trying to kill the president and then would go to Cuba as a quote unquote hero. Um, even though that clearly would not go well for him. Um, but yeah, so those are the three motives, uh, put forth by, The conspiracy groups, which is either he was operating for Russia or operating for the intelligence uh, here in the U.S. or operating for Cuba. Um, Another thing is uh, at that time, it was not hard to get a rifle that isn't trackable, but he did actually have a Carcano that was trackable and the three shells were left beautifully in the depository. So a lot of people think that that is the setup of Oswald, um, which goes well with his background of being a communist sympathizer and potentially even this, uh, failed assassination attempt. Uh, if the intelligence community decided to use him as a Patsy, he would be the literal perfect Patsy. Um, which again, at the flip of a switch goes perfectly with, or he just did it, you know? Like, <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, and then this is my last note on him. Uh, one of the things that came out with these documents, uh, that have been being released over the past 25 years and then finally were dumped on us a lot of historians have gone through those six million pages and seen that there was a minor cover-up uh, on the part of the CIA and the CIA actually did convince Trump to uh keep a few like 11 percent of the total documents with minor re- redactions and then one percent totally not released because um, it was a presidential decision once the 25-year deadline came up um, and they pressured him into doing that and one of the things that the historians are seeing that was more or less confirmed from that is um, that there may have been a small cover up on the sense that they handled Oswald issue really poorly um, because they were monitoring him and they saw him as a threat. And yet they knew he was in Dallas and didn't do anything to stop this. And so um, there have been some documents based on, you know, we're trying to damage control that. So I found that fairly interesting.
1: See, I wonder I wonder how much that is owed to conspiracy, possibly, and how much that might be owed to ineptitude and just lack general lack of communication between the different intelligence groups that was common before 9-11. Uh, you know, a lot of times they felt almost in competition to each other before, uh, you know, the lines of communication were kind of opened up a little bit more because you would think, you know, it, like investigating him, knowing who he is, and then your route goes right by where he's working. Exactly. Um. You would think like maybe you'd say, hey, let's take a different route or let's make sure we know where this guy is for the entire day that we're here.
0: Exactly. So I'm actually glad you brought that up because um, there are a couple there are some things that are documented Actual issues in security. And again, then you flip the switch and conspiracy theorists say it was on purpose, but you could also, you know, like I said, just as easily say it was being inept. But one of those things was exactly what you said. The uh, Secret Service did not share the motorcade route with the FBI and the FBI did not in turn share them uh, share with them the Oswald information, for instance, like his job. So that was a communication breakdown between those two silos that led to that motorcade going exactly down what worked out for Oswald. Also, um, the secret service, uh, and I talked about this on your show, so you guys will be hearing this for the second time, but the audience, hopefully, uh, unless they checked it out, which I wanted them to, uh, but there were, uh, roughly 20,000 windows, uh, on that motorcade route and they decided that they didn't have the manpower to check them. So they checked none of them. Um, That's so crazy to me. So that's such a like, man, if you were to pick out just how to lose a job, Mm -hmm. like, man, look at all that work to do. I'm going to do none of it. You know, that would be just your first way getting out of there. Um, Then there was the, the siloed information. Like we just talked about, there was also, um, and you can still see this in the Zapruder film. And then also on the Lincoln itself, uh, there are handles and step, platforms for the Secret Service to actually ride um on the wings of the uh of the car. Um and those Secret Service agents were ordered not to do that and were instead jogging alongside the car, which I find that one very interesting um because it's, you know, protocol and this is like now the third thing in protocol that they did not do. Um, also the motorcade uh based on the secret service protocol on how to do motorcades, even at the time had too many turns and would necessitate going slower than what a motorcade should drive at per their own documentation. Um, and those were all the issues that back to your theory that you shared at the beginning, Mark, like that would be the thing that if it were true, uh, just ineptitude, like I wouldn't want that to be shared. But also, if I were nefarious, they would be the first rules I would have them break as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, one theory that uh, I I haven't done a lot of research on, but I think it has a lot of good circumstantial evidence, uh, not necessarily actually, uh, you know, concrete evidence, because and like I said, I don't know what Exists out there from it, and what doesn't? Because I haven't done a lot of research on it. But uh, and I talked a little bit about this on our show when we were talking about this. But the uh, the mob theory, the the theory of the mob having something to do with it. Um, you know, it's been documented that the CIA had somewhat of a relationship with the mob, especially uh, where it involved Castro and maybe planning to uh, have an assassination of Castro. Uh, so there's there's that, but also. Uh, you know, the mob was friends with Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra made friends with John Kennedy because he wanted a friend that was in power. He liked him a lot. Uh, they were similar in certain ways, certainly with their their love of uh, women. Um, and uh, he helped Kennedy. Get elected, and he used his mob connections to help him win the primary in West Virginia. Uh, you know, the, at the time in West Virginia, West Virginia is, and it pretty much still is, filled with Protestants, and this is the uh, only the second Catholic uh, presidential candidate ever, after Al Smith uh, in the 30s, I think, um, and uh, you know, obviously the first one to win. His, his his polling in West Virginia was abysmal um and it looked like Humphrey was going to probably win he did not uh Kennedy won and that that primary victory helped him secure the nomination and then obviously there are questions about Voter turnout and things like that in Chicago specifically, but the state of Illinois as a whole in that almost like Florida in 2000, that state is what won him a very close presidential election against Richard Nixon. And that was probably mob related as well. So in return, Kennedy, after after he's elected, nominates his brother, Robert Kennedy to Attorney General and Robert Kennedy made his name by going after the mob in uh-huh. a very strong, vociferous way. so you could understand why they might be upset uh, at Kennedy after they helped him to win the election that this is kind of the, the payment that they get. Uh, so like I said, I can see a lot of the dots that kind of connect there. I don't know that there's any real concrete evidence, um, that connect the two together, but of like the classic, uh, conspiracy theories, government, LBJ, mob, stuff like that, even though we've already kind of said what we believe, what do you think is your favorite or most interesting or seems kind of most credible, from those different classic conspiracy theories. So from the classic
0: ones, uh, I do think that the CIA working with the mob actually is the one that I would jump on board with the most. Right. And to, to add credence to what you were saying too, like post death, three separate mob groups, uh, the Chicago mob, New Orleans mob, and Florida mob all stepped up and said, Oh, we were the ones that killed him, which that's not out of the question, but to say that the mob didn't, you know, that, that just, It makes it concrete that the mob would want to. It doesn't make it concrete that they did. Right. right. But them stepping up and saying they did it. Uh, And also uh, Robert Kennedy was quoted as saying he his initial reaction was he thought he got his brother killed by doing what he did against the mob. Like that that was his initial reaction to uh, Jack dying was he he thought it was him that did it because he thought the mob did it as well. Um, And I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I think and. To me, it really just ties into the fact that the CIA loves using organized crime as their uh, front, right? Like in mm-hmm. at that time, and they loved having them do their dirty work. And so and I think we mentioned this on the show, but if I were in the boardroom of people trying to make this, you know, if I were in the CIA, hey, I got to kill the president. What would I do? Um, partnering with a loud mob that would claim the kill. And then also saying, Hey, we have this asset in the form of Lee Harvey Oswald in the area too. That's exactly how I would do it. So, right. um, and then the thought, you know, and this is something that's really overplayed, but the, uh, JFK was trying to pull out of the, you know, military industrial complex and that was really the motivation to having him killed. Like, it's still a really strong motivation. Like even though it's been played out, like you said, it's one of the classic theories. Mm. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, and he made JFK made a lot of enemies in the in the intelligence community, um, you know, whenever he first came in and fired those, uh, I forget their names, but three pillars in the uh, intelligence community that had been there mm-hmm. from World War Two and were seen as heroes, you know, like that. that I think
1: was one of them for the CIA. I think it was his yeah. name Alderman. And I think uh,
0: is either Dulles or his predecessor, but one, one of somebody associated with Dulles as well. Um, but yeah, he, he made a lot of enemies in that regard. And then you look at, um, his non-committal to Cuba and then his non-committal to Vietnam. And then in turn, turn that back to LBJ's total committal to both of those things. Um, you know, to me, it just like, if you're trying to profile motive, like that part makes a lot of sense to me and actually is one of the reasons why, like I said, I'm, I'm fairly convinced. Uh, I'm convinced that. Harvey Oswald pulled the trigger. Uh, mm. I just don't know if he wasn't driven or being uh, marionetted by someone else. And like I said, it could have been everyone in the CIA, it could have been two dudes in the CIA, but that doesn't change. Uh, if they did it, I think they would be very effective at it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you think about two organizations that could probably keep a secret the mob right. and the CIA, you know, <laughs> seem like definite ones. You know, you're talking about the military industrial complex. It's worth noting, too, that. Um, that just a year before, it was in October of 62, the Cuban Missile Crisis happened. Yep. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's Curtis LeMay, uh, you know, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, you know, all, all those guys that wanted to go in and bomb Cuba to destroy the missiles. They looked at it as a threat and their solution, uh, you know, like they say, uh, you know, uh, every problem to a guy with a hammer looks like a nail, you know, they're military guys. So their solution is let's bomb these missiles, get them out of there. Uh, But, you know, Kennedy and his team, uh, Robert McNamara, the secretary of defense and Ken, uh, Bobby Kennedy obviously was part of that conversation. Um, But they, you know, they realized that if they bombed Cuba, I remember like uh, the quote from Curtis LeMay is, you know, Kennedy's asking him what, uh, what would Russia's response be? For us bombing these missile sites. And he said nothing. And Kennedy said, uh, you know, how could it be nothing? And he said, because the only their only solution is something they can't do because they you know, and he and Kennedy said, you know, well, that I don't I don't believe that because how would we react if they killed you know, our people, he's like, it's not just missiles. There are Russian soldiers on the ground. How would we react if they, if they killed ours? You know, right. I can tell you they're going to do something. So, you know, his solution ended up being the, the quarantine, uh, actual blockade of Cuba and then secretly. Um, basically trading the missiles in Cuba for our Jupiter missiles that were in Turkey at the time. And, you know, that wasn't obviously known outside of the, you know, inner circles in Washington okay. at the time. But, um, you know, so it was more appeasement. And his father, Joseph Kennedy, was part of the um, the Munich Accords that, uh, you know, with Neville Chamberlain, right. that – you know, appeased Hitler. So these military guys, they did not, they did not like this sort of an attitude and rightly or wrongly, they felt that it would lead to disaster that they, that he was being too weak. So it gives them both a monetary, um, a monetary motive as well as You know, what you could consider an altruistic motive of if we don't get rid of this guy, he's going to destroy our way of life because he's too weak, uh, just like his dad was with Hitler in the face of this communist threat. Which at the time, a lot of people, uh, you know, who are younger in in your audience might not realize. But at the time, it was a very real threat. I mean, in 1962, we came as close as we ever have to uh, nuclear holocaust basically yep
0: right i think that's one of the things that's discounted is uh i really do think that that like as far as all the coverage i've ever seen and stuff like that that's something that's discounted is why would the intelligence community do it because if you just had two dudes really convinced it was the right thing for the world they'd do it like mm. the u.s has done well not the u.s any government will do absolutely atrocious things if they think that it's the course for their country, you know, and I think that that's something that's really understated as a motive. And actually, I think the financial element is overstated, because um, I think at the end of the day, you know, in their heart of hearts, if someone did make that decision to kill off Kennedy, uh, the thing that I think they'd rest their pillow on is, well, I just prevented World War Three, yeah, you know. And, exactly. um, so I wanted to get to well, actually, because you mentioned the Neville Chamberlain thing and, and his dad, I'll, I'll mention one thing. And then I wanted to get to Mike, because I think, Mike, you said you're pretty vehemently against thinking it's a bigger conspiracy. Is that right? Oh, yeah, for sure. OK, cool. So, yeah, I definitely <laughs> want to get into that. But uh, real quick. Uh, so there is one theory that I never really found too much credence in, but it's the umbrella man theory. You guys familiar with that one?
1: Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. There was a there was a guy in the superior film, you can see him uh, standing at the side of the road uh, who had an umbrella. It was a bright and sunny day. Um, and generally speaking, using umbrellas as sunshades is not super common. Um, and they say that, uh, you can see in the film right when the first shot goes off his, his arm or, you know, a little bit before, um, almost like a signal, his arm raises about a foot in the air and then the shot goes off. Right. Um, second thing is, uh, umbrella was shut prior to the shooting open shooting happens shut again. And then also this quote unquote umbrella man uh, post shooting is also seen just sitting on the curb, speaking to another person, not running away with the rest of the crowd or reacting as the rest of the crowd had. So the official explanation to that was given. Um, Because the guy who actually had the umbrella, he stepped forward. He said, this is the umbrella I brought that day. And the reason why is because I was protesting Kennedy by bringing an umbrella, which uh, harkens back to that Neville Chamberlain appeasement, um, which was what Mark was talking about, which is why I brought it up. Um, And I only opened the umbrella when I thought Kennedy would see it, and then I shut it again. And when the umbrella was open, it actually blocked my vision, so I did not see the gunshot happen,
1: which is why I didn't
0: react with the same fear as the rest of the crowd.
1: I, um, can, see, I can see him say, "He's opening the umbrella." Kennedy gets shot, and he goes, oh, he's dead. He can't see it anymore." <laughs> exactly. Like, what's the point? He just regrets dragging the umbrella all
0: exactly um, yeah that's, yeah. he's just sitting there just totally dejected um,
3: they yeah, look suspicious now
1: that's what he's saying to that guy next to him he's like you know I, I go to the trouble I bring this umbrella so the guy sees it and he dies <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, me? Yes, and then,
0: <laughs> then he was he, not capable of looking anymore
3: he just waited until he made eye contact and he's like oh look at this
2: kid <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, so a couple things to that, uh, one, a CIA weapons, uh, person stepped forward and said, uh, that the CIA did have an umbrella gun cause he designed one, um, and the umbrella gun, uh, only worked with the umbrella open. Um, so there was that thought. Uh, and then the other thought was just, instead of it being an umbrella gun, that it was just the signal for multiple shooters. Um, I always thought that was a goofy theory, but thought it would be. Fun yeah. to talk about since you brought up the Neville Chamberlain thing. But I think a goofy theory is a perfect segue into, Mike, uh, why are you unconvinced by any of this?
3: Well, because unfortunately, um, in my opinion, the ballistics seem to uh, match exactly with the official story is. I could see some sort of conspiracy or cover up on the end where it's like, oh, okay, we need to, we want to make sure that people know it's this Oswald guy. and don't think it's a theory, you know, because like it's not going to be consistent with people's expectations regardless of what the evidence is. So they might, you know, alter something or maybe change something a bit, just so it sounds more plausible, but in the process of doing so, they just make it seem more like the conspiracy is
0: actually happening. Right. Um, um, and Rachel, where do you fall on it? I don't know.
4: Um, so I just want
0: to say, I
4: watched JFK last night, right? And it's the first thing I've ever watched about this. Like, RJ's talked to me about it, but it, to be honest, I just don't really listen to when he talks about stuff like this. because you think it at eight
1: o'clock in the morning? That is a long movie. I <laughs> <Yeah. should've. We laughs> no, I, actually, yes, I
4: actually didn't get to the trial because I was like, oh, I'll just, like, go to bed if this is over. And then we were like, we have an hour left, and it's 11 o'clock, <laughs> and I have to wake up with a three-year-old. Like, not happening. Yes. So, anyways, um... Watching that movie, by the end of it, I was like, "Wow, this obviously happened." And then I was like, "Archie, how much this is true?" And he's like, "Like, none of it." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> well, wow, that lied to me." Like, no wonder well, people a, are like, "That's a good introduction." Right? Our- like, and no wonder people are like so serious about this conspiracy because like this movie comes out and it says the docudrama, <laughs> which like in my mind is like that's pretty real. Like, that's real life. No, it's not
1: Rachel's Rachel says she's going to do some research for this episode. And RJ's just rubbing his hands together saying, why don't you watch JFK? <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
4: I think I, I don't know. I think the reason I'm not like a huge fan of this is just because. I don't know why I've always been this way about a lot of things, but I, if there's just No, there's nothing to go from this. There's just nothing. There's just not anything concrete. There's nothing you like to grab or hold on to. I'm just kind of like, why? You know, like, right. I have nothing to even kind of think about. Like, like even like Bigfoot, right? Like people have pictures of Bigfoot. People have like personal stories of Bigfoot.
0: And there's always that hope. That at we're gonna find a carcass, right? Yes, Where, right. Or like aliens, like someday maybe they'll Thank show you. up in yes. Washington D.C. But with with this, like, there's just no light at the end of the, this. No, is why he's
4: dead? Yeah, like I, everybody's dead. Everybody can gets help old me is, for me too. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the other ones, that, the ones that aren't dead are keeping serious secrets and not telling me. Anything. I mean, they haven't slipped yet. Or, yeah, or that,
3: if they do, that seems very unlikely to me as well. That no, if if there was any even decently sized conspiracy, that not a single person who's credible has come forth and said they were part of
1: it. Even on their deathbed, deathbed I got to get this off my chest, you know, kind of thing. Yeah.
4: (laughs) So, yeah, I think I'm just kind of I would not be surprised in my eyes. The way I think of it is kind of like like, Mike, what you were saying about how like he got he got really lucky. I kind of feel like. Now, in in the world we live in now, with the kind of information we have on our fingertips of like where exactly the cars would go or like things like this. Where exactly you need to be positioned in order for this or where you need to do this or however. Um, But like they didn't have that back then. Like it was just like there's going to be a parade and they like the day of our setting up how the parade is going to be like, how would he know these things? How would he have this information? So in my eyes, in order for him, in order for it to go as smoothly as it did and for him to have the information he did, I feel like there had to be some kind of information. I don't know if that actually means the CIA was helping him or anyone specifically like that, but maybe he just knew more than we thought he did or was, or had to had access from someone because like you were saying, like it didn't have to be the entire CIA. There could just be one dude in the CIA. That's like, Hey, don't well, like this guy, you're, you're a communist, kill him. You know, like, and he's like, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. Well, I wanted to anyways.
0: That to me. But, and, oh, sorry. Sorry.
4: That's right. That, that's how it feels to me. Is like, if he did it on his own, then he got real lucky and it was, it worked out pretty damn well for him. Like he had an idea and he was crazy and he was like, yeah, let's kill this guy. And it worked. That's but one point if, of view. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from his, yes, from his point of view, obviously. We um, have you as
3: well. The luckiest man in the
2: world. <laughs> yeah, um,
4: but I could also see it as there was someone helping him. And I don't, I'm not going to, I don't have a strong enough opinion to say who or how or in whatever. But the fact that, just yeah, the, the amount of things that went right to me doesn't seem like a coincidence. It seems like there must have been someone else or something else helping him.
0: Well, t- well I think just to clarify, like my personal position, on it, I do think like I, I'm always a big fan. I think the whole show is predicated on whether there's smoke, there's fire. I just think that for this, like the fire might literally be just a few people in the right positions just had contempt for the guy and didn't do What they needed to do. Like Well or
4: even like hold on, I like the idea too of like there was like a few CIA agents that were like, Hey, we've heard about this guy, Oswald. He's crazy and he wants to kill the president, but like no big deal. Right. Like blow him off. Exactly. It doesn't matter. And then it actually goes out and they're like, Oh shit, we we need to like Yeah not let people know that we blew this off because
0: right. we'll be screwed. And, and to me, like gun to my head, I do think like that would be closer to where we would end up if, if it were ever to come. But that's the thing. Like, like you were saying, like there's just no light at the end of the tunnel. Like a lot of people are looking at all oh, these documents are going to be released. We're finally going to know. it like, i like, no, still, the fuck well, you wouldn't. They're still hiding stuff. <laughs> yeah. like right. they, Why would the documents right. show <laughs> anything? Like they would, they would just keep those and never let you know. They'd be like, yeah. I yeah. mean, the first thing I would say to somebody is this is everything I've got while I still have like, a yeah, bunch of other right. stuff, you know,
1: like or just get rid of them. Like maybe they don't have them at all anymore. You know, uh, yeah, if there if there's a smoking gun that that the government has, you know, you'll never, ever see ever. it. Ever.
0: No, no. So, yeah, I think that that to me is really like I said, at the end of the day, like I don't think it would ever shape up to it was a CIA. It was George H.W. Bush and a bunch of his buddies, you know, like it, to me, it was it would it would really just shape up to. A couple critical people just made a couple critical decisions, either in contempt or not thinking it would come to fruition or something. It was Ted Cruz's dad, right? (laughs) Yeah, Ted Cruz's dad. Exactly.
3: I think the the fact that the parade route was changed at the last minute isn't more credibility that it's a conspiracy, but rather less. Because if you take all this time to set up all these, you know, angles of attack and routes and escape plans and stuff, and they change at the last minute, you just you probably can't do your assassination at that point.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there there are those those things that really are evidence of this was just people being bad at their jobs, like (laughs) you know. Because I think that that uh, is something that is really discredited as well. It's just you know it could have just been a bad day to be a secret service agent. You know,
3: yeah. (laughs) They still say like they have their troubles. Maybe the whole organization is just like really like you know just like crazy.
1: Kind of going off of what Rachel was saying. Do you think that because, Rachel, you were saying how, um, you know, like uh, back then, how it's different from now. Do you think that that something like this could ever happen again, like a president ever be assassinated again? Because I I really don't think we'll see it in our lifetime. No,
4: I I was I was actually talking about this this today. Like everyone everyone other uh, except for maybe people over the age of like 60 would have their phone out recording this everyone and from Mm -hmm. all the different angles and from all the different spots in the crowd and then when the shots went off they would all you know whoever like wherever they thought it was from like you know some people said oh i heard it over there over there they would zoom in right over there that's what they would do like because people nowadays like i mean you think about like um the shooting at that country music festival in las vegas And a lot of those people who got shot continued to record what they, what was happening or Mm -hmm. while the shooting was happening, they were holding up their phones to show what was happening while they were getting shot at, which I'm not sure if that's like, you know, a great survival tactic, but either way, (laughs) either way, thank goodness for those people, because that's, you just couldn't get away with it. You just couldn't, there wouldn't be, there's too much and there's too much going on and too many, too much, in uh, technology at our fingertips in order to get away with
1: it. So I think think we we lived in Vegas when that happened. Oh, wow, Uh, wow. Actually, my, my wife and kids were at, um, the, uh, Oh dang! I can't remember the name of the casino. The one Mandalay Bay with the they were at the that aquarium earlier that day that oh, it happens. Wow. And I, I used to work at the Tropicana, which is across the street. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't you know there that night, but I had friends that I worked with that you know were there, saw what was going on, and, and you know people came in, uh, like wounded people came in to the Tropicana and everything like bleeding and stuff. I mean, I was, obviously it was, uh, you know, it was a, a horrible scene, but, um, right. but yeah, so like I was there when that happened, that was, uh, something else.
0: That's yeah. crazy. That's nuts. I have a lot of friends and family that were, that were there and marked safe and did, you know, the whole thing. I actually had a couple people I know that were at the festival and just happened to take off before it happened. So, oh, God. um, yeah. So crazy. I think, To me, I think the Secret Service is probably just so much better at their job that like the machinations of it would be very difficult to happen. I think that at the end of the day, though, uh, if it were to occur like the Lee Harvey Oswald thing, like, let's say so let's go the opposite direction. Like, let's say we were to re produce this with uh, Trump. Like, I think that,
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think
0: that that would be like, if I were an intelligence other president community to get
4: assassinated, right. But if <laughs> I were in an intelligence
0: community trying to do this, like the first thing I would do would be find someone like a Lee Harvey Oswald, right. Like, especially with our media coverage of like shooters nowadays, like where they want to, where they always go into their background and like what's wrong with them and stuff like that. Like, that's what we did with Oswald. Mm-hmm. You know, we profiled him like more people, Learned stuff about Oswald in the last 25 years. Like, actually, I would confidently say this. If you walk up to a conspiracy theorist, they know more about Lee Harvey Oswald than they do JFK. Like, yeah, you true. know what I mean? So I think that. Well, yeah, that's it, too. The access to information is insane. It's way different. Well, but think I think about, that like, that's how exactly how it would look, though, to me, is I think that they would find one random person that fit a great profile of random yeah. shooter and they would totally you know, guide him, whatever, or just set him up and and set the dominoes to fall. But I think that this is that's why, to me, it is interesting, but at the same time totally turns me off because we're never going to figure it out. But man, if if I were in the CIA and wanted this to happen, like helping Lee Harvey Oswald along on his own path is exactly how I'd do it.
4: Well, like I think about, um, like anytime there's one of those school shootings or something like that, think about how quickly on the news they're talking about this person their history
2: where oh, they yeah. were born you know, their family all their, their whole best life, friends their mom their friends yeah. with their friends
4: of, i mean it's within it's within i wouldn't even say hours that they have right. all of this information when it's like you know think about how long it took for them to go from the president has been shot to the president has been killed to this is who did it to this is information about him like the at the it was forever. Right. The, the chain of what happened took days and days and days when now it would be like at, at your fingertips within seconds. So it's definitely a different, different era.
1: So kind of combining what the two of you have been saying, because um, I find it really interesting. Let's uh, so let's say that there are people in the CIA that would want uh, Trump to be assassinated. It's a stretch, but let's say, <laughs> let's say there are people that don't like him in the CIA. Um So, yeah, I think I think you're right, RJ. I think what they would do is they would find someone like they'd find some kind of extremist, um, you know, who had. Uh, weapons training and something like a military person like Oswald was or something like that. Um, the difference is, at least as far as conspiracy theories go, and this is kind of to Rachel's point, is I think they would do that. You know, they'd train him up and everything. They'd have a plan, like a Jack Ruby plan, to have him killed afterwards uh-huh. or even during the assassination. But right. they would make sure that he could do it, that he could do it alone, because right. they wouldn't they wouldn't want they wouldn't want any kind of grassy knoll situation or is like we've got to help him out kind of thing because of the cell phones and all that stuff they'd want to be like you know he's got to do it so maybe that points more towards the conspiracy theories if it is a conspiracy of oswald acting alone but having help from the intelligence community see that's what that's why
0: to me that's the only one that would Makes sense. And again, like the big thing I do uh, whenever I'm looking at this type of stuff is is just thinking like, why, like, why would I put a second shooter? Like, why would, if I mm-hmm. found the perfect Patsy and I made the motorcade go right by, you know, his his thing, and I even set up, the, you know, like, if, if he made contact, which he did, like, that second shooter would never shoot. You know, that would be my big thing, is why have them simultaneously shoot? Like, I get finishing the job, sure, but, like, he, he struck him in the throat. Like, that headshot, I don't think would have to happen unless... Lee Harvey Oswald's the one that pulled the trigger. And I think that's exactly what, um, again, like just sitting in that boardroom of like, how could we make this happen? Like to me, having that second shooter on the grassy knoll just never made sense to me. Like you have the perfect Patsy, like, um, you, you've already set him up with whatever uh, and the the shot is there, like have him take it. And I think that that's what I would. And, and another thing about Lee Harvey Oswald that I always found fascinating was, Um, let's say he was selected because, you know, again, I'm I'm not sure he was, but let's say he was, I think it's really interesting that they found a communist party member for someone who their main gripe was, you know, appeasing the communists. So that would be like having someone in a MAGA hat shoot Trump. Exactly. (laughs) Like, and that would be, but like, to be honest, like if I were the CIA or if I were the person orchestrating it, like. I might choose like a neo Nazi or something like that, like make it even a mm-hmm. little more, con- like give them more to think about because like Lee Harvey Oswald's background was interesting enough that you could go, yeah, that dude was crazy. He probably did it, you know? And so like having somebody with violent tendencies in this, like that would be, again, my first choice, like 10 times over.
1: That's a really good point because if you picked someone that was, you know, relatively normal to be your patsy, then obviously people are going to say, well, why did this guy do it? Like why he was trained by somebody? Yeah. Right. Like why would he, why would he want to assassinate the president? But if you pick someone that's a little off, you know, then, then there's enough to, to go on there. You'd be like, okay, I get, I get this.
0: Yeah. And that, that, and again, like I said, just sitting in the boardroom, making the decision, like you wouldn't choose a Joe Schmo you would choose. Yeah. That dude makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, But yeah, I mean, I just I don't think it'll ever happen again. You know, obviously, it's a horrible event, but um, if it were to, I'd almost guarantee like they would go with lone gunmen again immediately. Like and I'm not even talking about like the U.S. Like, let's say Russia, you know, Putin gurgles up his loins and figures out he he wants to go and actually do it. Um, Yeah, I think that that's that's how they'd go about it, too. They wouldn't choose their own black ops, dude, they would they would they would find someone else to take advantage of. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because yeah.
1: like, if it was especially if it was a foreign nation, because mm-hmm. you don't want any connection to you at all. I mean, that's because then that's just all out war. Right.
0: Well, and that was the another part that I always thought was funny that the conspiracy theorists really linked into, um, oh, you know, is the intelligence community, the military industrial complex, like I get the motive, but like KGB or Fidel being behind it. Makes just as much sense to me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know. Um, what do you think, Mike? If you had to kill Trump, how would you do it? No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm
3: sorry, my headphones uh, were on for the last uh, ten minutes or so, so I heard nothing of that, and I'm not part of
1: you any of that. <laughs> On this, on this episode of Skeptical Skeptics Podcast, we commit a federal crime. Oh, is that what you guys did?
0: <laughs> Mike, Mike is a, a little too slick for me. He's kind of worrying me. His NSA agent's like, dang, this guy's good. You
2: know? so, so I think
3: really the, the way to do it would be to find someone who was, you know, obviously like suspicious, who had some kind of like leanings, you know, maybe even like someone from a different country. Right. Um In this particular instance, uh, if it were the exact same JFK scenario, I would say that the CIA would probably just get someone from the Bay of Pigs to do it. And then really the best method to do it would be to have someone who you know is a shooter. I mean, because it's not a difficult shot and contrary to, you know, Jesse Ventura or whoever would say, I mean, (laughs) I'm not an accomplished (laughs) rifle shooter by any stretch, but I don't think it would take me much training to make a similar shot. Come on, brother, could you
1: make that shot?
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of, it's like Whenever they show like uh, it's, you know, obviously if you're leaning towards a conspiracy, it's like, oh my God, I'm a professional shooter. I can, I can make three shots in six seconds. And then like on the other hand, uh, I'm a fan of Pitt Pit and Teller and on their show, they uh, they just had Pitt and Teller were making that shot in that time frame with no, you know, issue at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, that was actually one thing, like when we were watching JFK movie, uh, Kevin Costner's character was like, well, it takes two seconds to rack the slide. I was like, if you have Parkinson's and you're really tired, maybe like <laughs> what are you talking about? Like the racking a bolt does not take you two full seconds. Like, yeah, it's, it,
3: anyone who has any experience with a rifle would not take two seconds to, to reload.
0: No, not uh, no. I mean, we're not, we're not building a rocket on the spot. Like it's just up back and forward again. Well, I think that's a lot
4: of what comes to from a lot of conspiracy theories. We talked about this on your show a little bit, and especially this one is just ignorance. Just people who have no idea what the hell they're talking about, Mm -hmm. but have decided they do are like, I know this. I'm, I'm an expert marksman and I know this. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't know.
0: Something else Mm -hmm. I think is fun is the fact that this has just gestated for 50 years, you know, uh, going on 60 years, like, I cannot imagine the level of conspiracy theories in 50 years from now. I was like, man, in 2019, like this is, you know, what happened? Like Donald Trump was a reptile man. Right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I, I can't can't imagine the amount of conspiracies he's brewing up like just right now. But but yeah, I mean, because that's the thing, like that's why I want to establish the timeline at the beginning of the episode, because it was everyone pretty much agreed like. This was one lone gunman. And then it was five years later, 10 years later, 15 years later, like all this doubt came in. But I mean, it took a significant amount of time for it to now. I mean, you can probably grab any like 15 year old and say JFK and they'd be like conspiracy, you know, like it's just such a it's such a mainstream thing nowadays. What I like about it. Go ahead. Oh, no, please.
4: Okay, I was going to say what I like about it is the fact that like. Out of all, I mean, it's one of the most long running conspiracies that people actually get behind. I mean, there's obviously the moon landing, right? But there's way less people, I hope, that believe that the moon landing was fake than that believe in that there is some kind of conspiracy theory behind JFK. So that's cool to me, too, is that this has just been going on for so long and has stuck for so long. Yeah, I mean, I was not alive or anywhere near alive when this happened. And yet I've been hearing about it for for many years. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting
2: yeah it's what really so, like, say,
4: it,
3: it's kind of um I, even the perspective of it has changed according to popular opinion like i don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, full metal jacket
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, there's a scene where he's talking about how they're all like uh, marines he goes two of the best marine marksmen ever were charles whitman and uh, lee harvey oswald so clearly the public perception at that time wasn't <laughs> that it was conspiracy it was just like wow this guy's a really good shot but then you know like, you know film after film book after book came out it's like, oh well like, he, he never shot a gun in his life is basically what some people are saying and it's just like it's right. just so odd how you just basically like mold it as you go
1: along. Was yeah, he though like uh I see, I can't remember now because I I feel like I've heard that um I believe we, he was a distinguished marksman in the in Yeah, the like American he moment. didn't get the highest, right? He got nah. close, but not. Yeah, I don't highest. think
3: he got like the best. I mean mind you they didn't have snipers at that time. I mean they really came into their own uh in the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Um so they didn't really I mean, I don't know how much of a focus on riflemanship there was, but I don't think it was the highest distinction. I think it was still like distinguished. You know?
0: Well, that was actually, it's funny you guys mentioned that because, uh, depending on where you, uh, read it, they, they will say, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald just qualified at the, at the bare minimum. Right. And then depending on how they're trying to spin it and in other articles, say qualified as sharpshooter. And so, um, so depending on which test of his that you're looking at, you'll see just pass or sharpshooter. And, and like Mike said, like that shot is not difficult. It's not a difficult shot. Like we're not talking like. So there was a sniper in Vietnam named Carlos Hathcock and like he was distinguished for having done the the whole s- sniper scope shot where he shot a opposing s- sniper through the through his own scope like yeah. that's a difficult shot right like but this was I mean this th- this was not a hard shot but like yeah depending on who's telling the story it can go from damn near impossible all the way down to uh, you know any jokester picking up a rifle for the first time could do it It all just depends on who's telling the story
4: well i mean obviously that that leads into so much of this too right Is like media influence and what people have said and what you've heard and like because for me the very first thing i ever watched about jfk was jfk which i wouldn't super advise that um (laughs) (laughs) but you know and if i didn't have rj who is a you know who likes this stuff and knows a lot about it right next to me i would have been like well obviously of course this is exactly what happened because they don't they don't put it out there as, Oh, well, this might've, this may, maybe was what happened. They put it like, this is exactly how it happened. And this is what they said and all these things. And so I think it's um, I think that's another aspect of it too. That would be even bigger now, right? Because our, the media influence is so much bigger um, now than it was then, because we're just have it right in our face. And there's so many different outlets, right? Cause there's not only the news, there's also YouTube channels and, Facebook posts and articles from some random dude that has never been accredited with anything. Like there's all this stuff that the misinformation is crazy is so big. And so because of that, I think that's part of it, too, is that's built so much of the conspiracy theory is the media and the information. And like you said, who you're hearing it from, who you're talking to. And back then, there wasn't that's another thing, though, even though ours is so much bigger and that could make it Different make it almost worse. That could also make it better because we get to see every side of something because we have so much when for them. It's like if you go to one source and they say this is why it wasn't a conspiracy theory. And then another guy goes to one source and says this is why it was. And obviously you're going to be on opposing sides when we have a plethora of of, of both sides. We get to see everything. And I think that's an interesting aspect of it, too.
1: Yeah. Gone are the days of. You know, the most trusted man in America, Walter Cronkite, you know, as we heard earlier, um, you know, like, uh, giving you the news and it's like, okay, this is what's true. That's definitely, those days are definitely gone because it used to be you could passively watch the news and I know what's going on because I listened to what Walter Cronkite told me. Now you have to, the skill set that people need is to being able to shift through bullshit, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, to be able to say, okay, what is, what of this, it has truth, where can I find evidence of it? You know, and that's part of the problem is, you know, everybody will talk basically like they think they know because they heard from, you know, one source or another that, you know, doesn't really have credible sources um it takes a lot to actually know what's going on takes a lot of hard work now to know what the what the truth is you have to do a lot of the research like you know it's like the conspiracy theories that you get in the and the uh you know ghost stories and stuff that you guys research like people have to do that basically to kind of know what's real anymore so yeah if something like this happened today um or tomorrow um <laughs> <laughs> another felony no but uh, but if, if like if something happened with with trump you know in, in this day and age it would be i mean it would be a circus and there would be a thousand opinions and a thousand different things uh you know there it would be the biggest conspiracy theory ever so that's something i'm
0: super interested in so um like i have a Writing degree. So like reading and and seeing, you know, how history has unfolded and been told is a big part of like what I used to study. And I think that that's the thing like that you have uh, in the past, you had this, quote unquote, single official story and then you had the offshoots. Right. I'm I'm alt. I believe in this. I believe in that. Um, no longer do you have the quote unquote official story because you can't have enough people agree on one thing because mm-hmm. there's so much information and so much postulation that um, like I, I'm very interested to see in 30 years how our writers will handle this because you're going to have camps of this is how this was reported. This is how this is reported. And then how do we make the decision on what actually occurred like that's going to be totally different uh, in 20, or like today versus what it was you know, 60 years ago, because like back then there was the this is what everyone believes. And I believe this. There's no longer that dichotomy. Now we have a one hundred thousand shades of gray uh, in between the two. And it's it's incredibly difficult. And that's one of the things where like that's where I think you're seeing this pollution of like what we use as the weird fact of the week. Right. Like this second Oswald with a fireball gun. Like that is one of those hundred thousand shades of gray that I guarantee in 1966
1: no one heard about. Yeah. And so, (laughs) yeah, like uh, in the future, you'll have dueling textbooks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh This is the way this happened. But but kind of talking about and like branching off what you just said and kind of touching back on what Rachel said. It's not you know, it's harder to know exactly what the actual truth is. Like uh-huh. I, there are a lot of people that are um that are relevists, And I happen to be kind of from like from the Socrates school of absolutism, at least when it comes to truth. Like I believe there is. You know, a, hey, an objective one truth, basically right. for 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 all things. So this makes this uh, era even harder for me. But um, touching on what what Rachel was saying, uh, how it, how it also can be a good thing to have all these different voices, even if some of them are unreliable. Back then, when Walter Concrete was the most uh, yep. trusted man in America. One thing he didn't tell you about was all the affairs John F. Kennedy was having. Exactly. Like, yeah. No one heard about that stuff. In this day and age, it would come out. Whether, you know, it should affect things or not, whether it affected the way he, he governed, things like that, that's up for, you know, individual debate. But we certainly didn't get the amount of information then that we get now.
4: Well, right. and I, something else I was thinking about, too, is if – if, you know, officially it was all cover up. If, you know, Oswald was working with the CIA or mob or both or whatever. Um, Something I while I was watching JFK, I was thinking about this. There's a part where um where Jim Morrison interviews. Garrison. What? Garrison? Oh, his name is Morrison.
1: No, Mike's name about- is Morrison. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're sorry. talking about the main dude, right? Yes. Yeah. Jim Garrison.
4: There you go. Um, Jim Garrison, he he interviews two women who were who gave their statements to the police, right? And then they said, "Oh, they told me you didn't hear those gunshots." And then they and then they changed it, is what he said. That wouldn't happen now because you could just post it yeah, before be you tweeted. even talk to cops. You could just say, "Hey guys, I was there. This is exactly what I heard. This is exactly what happened." So there would be no version, or maybe not, as it would be much much harder yeah. for the cops or the CIA to cover this up because. Every single person that was there has most have a voice on social media so they could just get on there and say they're going to they're going to say this is what happened. But this is what I saw happen. And so back then, the best she had, they had, if that was true, if he actually interviewed those women, they actually said that the best they had was telling him that. But they had no other proof of anything else because the cops redacted what they said and changed it. Yeah. But now you would have your own proof. You could just say it to anybody on the street and you could write, you could write about it. You could post a video about it, whatever. And, and it would be out there and there's nothing they could do about it.
0: So, that, so there's a couple of interesting things there. I think one is, uh, the idea that, um, there's nothing you could do about it because that's actually one thing that I guarantee here in 10 years of the podcast is still growing strong. <laughs> we're going to talk it about be. Yeah. Cause you're going to have people <laughs> going back saying, no, I posted about it. I swear. And then it's, it's gone. Right. Yeah, that's true. Cause like, well, it, cause well, that's the thing, but at
4: least it was out there for five seconds. Sure, No, I right. get that.
0: But what I'm saying is like, that whole intimidation of, uh, of witnesses and stuff. And there are stories about mm-hmm. that. Like that's one part of that the movie that was, that was pretty true. Right. Is, uh, and, and even witnesses dying. There's a lot of stories yeah. about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the I mean, thing- you could do
4: like a Facebook live video, but, like someone's following me in my right. car, but that would
0: be the thing is like, but they're, they're just going to operate in their new grounds as well. Right. Like that's true. Um, cause that's a thing you're like, for instance, the first thing I would do if I were in CIA and I was about to do something sketchy like this, cell phone network goes down, right? Oh, there was so much traffic because of the event. Nobody could get something else out, right? right. Um, or something similar like that, but they're going to operate within their own parameters because that's something that, um, like honest to God, I think if, yeah. okay, so let's let's flip an imaginary switch, right? On one side, uh, it's exactly what the, the Warren Commission said. Lee Harvey Oswald worked the same, whatever. We're sitting here Doing this podcast, still s- speculating, right? On the flip side, let's flip the other switch. It's exactly what one of these conspiracy theories says: CIA did it. We'd still be sitting here doing this podcast, like literally nothing in the timeline. I think would change um, because they'd be so good at hiding it and and at doing what it is that they do that I still think we'd just be sitting here speculating the exact no, same. No, but way.
4: I think what like what I'm saying though is it would it would have been out. How me times you've seen on Facebook or like on Twitter, it's like this video got deleted. So, make sure to post it again or whatever. Like, it would be somewhere. When back then it was literally nowhere, like, you had nothing. All, all Other than to, Crazy
0: Bob on the street. Exactly.
4: Yeah. All you had to, all all cops had to do was like, oh, I didn't bring a recorder to that session and that didn't or I got I ripped up the papers because they literally could just rip up stuff and nobody cared. It was just like, meh, I lost all that and everyone's like, Oh, it's the sixties. <laughs> you know? Like, that was just okay.
2: Like it would be hilarious if they were <laughs> like,
1: hey, it's the sixties.
2: <laughs> you know but about
1: our time period. We are not have file
4: Seriously, I've looked at, I've looked into enough of these murder things that I I'm convinced that cops are just like, meh whatever like no, yeah. I you know I, because it's just so much stuff just goes I'm missing and it's by like the
1: technology of my time yeah like, right. like a body that they never found on the one podcast you're talking yes,
4: about right. that's <laughs> insane and so yeah just things like that that it's like that's what's interesting to me is the fact that even if they work really hard to delete it they can't they cannot keep every single person who was there quiet because of social media
0: kind I of talking same- oh yeah good Oh, sorry. Just real quick. I was just going to say, like, I think the thing that we'll find that they're going to embrace is the chaos of it. Like yeah. what they're going to embrace is a hundred well, yeah, people. They can, they
4: can defame people for sure. Well, no, they not only can that, but Just a hundred
0: people will have a hundred stories. So yeah. how are you to say that Again, story number 37 bullshit, would right? be the yeah. right one? I think that that's what they're going to like to, to Mark's point, And like what I was saying before, like uh, being able to form the quote, unquote, single story, that was their old method. I think their new method would, would just be, Embrace, embrace the it. chaos, yeah. like and, understand that if only witness 38 and 39 say one thing, no one will ever listen to them. And we're never going to worry about it.
1: Yeah, are you ta- say, Mark, kind of talking about what um what you guys were talking about when we were talking about reporters and talking about all the witnesses and stuff that died and everything. I, I wonder, RJ, have you ever heard of uh, Dorothy Kilgallen? I have not. OK, so Dorothy Kilgallen was a reporter. Um Oh, I can't remember. She was syndicated, uh, based out of New York. She was on, uh, she's probably most famous for being on a, an old panel game show in the 1950s and 60s called What's My Line, hosted by, uh, John Charles Daly. And it was the, the premise of the show was someone would come on. They had a, a job. So a lot of times it was a unique job and stuff like that. And, uh, they would have to, the panel would have to guess. They'd ask them yes or no questions and they would have to guess what their job was. So she was on TV every Sunday. It was a very highly rated show, but she also was a journalist. She was one of the ones who um, covered the Sam Shepard trial and believed that he did not kill his wife, the the kind of the basis for the fugitive. And she did a lot of investigative reporting and, and was helpful in getting his case uh, overturned and him eventually uh, getting exonerated and and being released from jail. She was um, investigating the Kennedy assassination after, uh, obviously, after it took place, I believe it was 65 or 66. So she was still on her panel show at the time, um, and she was doing a lot of investigating, and she got an exclusive interview with Jack Ruby. And shortly, like maybe a couple days after conducting that interview with Jack Ruby, Allegedly she told friends that she had information that was going to blow this case wide open uh, uh. two days later she died in her apartment from an apparent barbiturate overdose uh but there's a lot of weird things about it like she had a an apartment with several rooms she was in a room that she didn't sleep in she was in a um like a nightgown that she didn't wear anymore uh, she had a book open to a certain, like in the middle of the book and it was a book that she had finished months before. Uh, so like, you know, why would she be reading it again? Kind of thing. She, she right. did a lot of reading as a writer. So there were, you know, I haven't, this is another one that I haven't done a ton of investigation in, but I've, I've watched what's my line. Cause I lo- I love game shows. So I watch a lot of old game shows and I kind of stumbled upon this one as you know, it relates to the Kennedy assassination. So that's kind of an interesting wrinkle too. It does. One of the things that I think kind of lend people, especially as time goes by, to leaning more towards conspiracy is the kind of bizarre deaths of a lot of people associated with it. Jack Ruby gets cancer seemingly out of nowhere, I guess. Um, And, uh, you know, obviously Oswald died, different witnesses die, the you know, Dorothy Kilgallen dies, you know, all these kind of uh, kind of things that seem bizarre. So I can see how that, you know, you can look at that one of two ways. You can look at it as you're taking a large group of people because there's a lot of witnesses, a lot of people that are investigating and stuff like that. And you're picking out, oh, these are, you know, some that died in suspicious circumstances. Or you can look at it as, um, you know, how likely is it that all these people that could have some knowledge of this uh, if there was a conspiracy of this conspiracy, all die.
0: Right. I think that's the thing about these types of things is like if there was a an absolutely definitive report that came out tomorrow saying that she was killed by some dude who was obsessed with her for 15 years and he just did a bad job with the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. And then yeah. at the same time, if a definitive report said it was the CIA and here's the dude that did it and he stepped up, also wouldn't surprise me. I think that's the thing that like that that shade of either one is is so, in my opinion, just plausible. Like you you can't you can't prove one. but I just really don't think you'd be able to ever disprove one either, you know.
3: See, I, I, I think it doesn't make any sense that there would be any. Com- it, w- it wouldn't need to be anywhere near as complex as this. If, if even if you wanted to assassinate him in broad day, daylight. I mean, you could just have like like I said before, you could have like a uh, bay of pigs. You know, on um, someone who had got on the field, bay of pigs. Uh, you know, Cuban. Um, I don't know, paramilitary type guy. Just have them assassinate him. You know, because they would be able to make the shot, and then have a policeman standing, uh, you know, twenty feet away. And oh look, I found the shooter oh, he tried to shoot me, yeah. and now he's dead.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all you have yeah. to do. It would be yeah. so simple. Yeah, you're right. And that's something I go back to as well Is just like, I feel like there are so many people that could come up with a better plan. At the same time, I just never really discre- like uh, discount the government's ability to convolute something. Um, and so I think that that's something that like uh, conspiracy theorists go back to. And I kind of agree with them on is like, and I think that's something that like, they they hold out hope for too, is like at some point somebody will have, you know, done and said something that they shouldn't have. And and here's the thing. If you were to believe all the stories, a bunch of people, quote unquote, have, you know, um, like Jack Ruby, if you were to believe, talked to this uh, uh, game show hostess like that, mm-hmm. you know, same, same thing. is just like that would be that chink in that armor that you were looking for.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, I still believe he probably acted alone, but there's probably less than a lot of conspiracy theorists. But there's enough, at least a little bit, just a tiny grain of weird stuff surrounding it that it still makes that I'm still not completely sold. And it makes me it makes me think about uh, think about it and kind of read about it and research it. It still kind of holds my interest because there's just that little bit that doesn't totally add up like ninety nine percent of it does. But there's just that one little bit that's like, well, what if, you know, why, why did this happen? Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then Mike, you're firmly in the camp that he, uh, he did it on his own. And then Rachel, have you decided yet? Yeah, I'm firmly in there. Yeah. Uh,
4: no, I'm, I'm a firm. Eh.
1: Rachel, <laughs> okay. should go, with, go with my theory that it was an accident by the secret service.
0: An accident. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, that was <laughs> a good one. Um, cool well mike actually real quick is there anything that you uh uh anything that really does kind of pique your interest as far as you do think it was a conspiracy like not not in regards to jfk just in general oh
3: just conspiracies in theory in
0: yeah. general yeah which ones do you like
3: see i like the waco conspiracy a lot that it was you know that it wasn't like you know that it was planned all along to just go in and like you know burn the place down mm-hmm um, that's, there's a lot of, you know, interesting stuff there. The, um, the whole, uh, Ruby Ridge like that, it was also, you know, just like the government basically like overstepped their bounds and they caused the situation in the first place. There's a lot behind that. I think that also rings true. Cool. Um, in general, I really, I mean, my biggest like idea the, the only thing I can really think is plausible as far as like the nine eleven thing goes is that maybe someone in the government knew what was happening and they let it happen. That's the only thing that makes any right. sense that would even, because everything else is just makes sense. You know? Yeah. Cool. I'm um, not huge in the cryptids or anything like that. Um, lizard but I people. like to believe that the Mothman is true <laughs> and lizard people. I am really happy about them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah the, 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 the Mothman. That's, that's the one, the chapstick. Yeah, I do. I just do sure love you. Mothman.
0: I, uh, yeah, I'm not a huge, not a huge cryptid person either, but I do like presenting on them. Cause I think it's, I think it's fun. And a lot oh, of people yeah, really, really sure. believe in them. Like they, that's the, that's the thing about conspiracy theories as well is just the, like you have literal life devotion to this stuff, you know, like we just burned two hours on it and I'm like, I'm ready to never talk about JFK again, you know, but, <laughs> but you have folks that, that will, I mean, they, they ruin their lives for this stuff, but, um, yeah. All right. Well, I feel like we could talk forever about it, but got to got to cut it somewhere. So I think we'll we'll cut it here. I uh, just want to thank you guys again for joining us. I hope it was a fun experience for you.
1: Oh, yeah. It was yeah great. For sure. Thanks for having us on. Thank you. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, and we will definitely next time we have you on do something that Carol's interested in. So she, <laughs> she likes ghouls. So that's good. We do a lot of ghost stories. Um, and then uh, yeah. So just want to peddle them again, guys, that's a uh, massive late fee. They're at massive late fee on Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, right? Gmail. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. So
0: and then you can also find them at Michigan sports and entertainment.com, which is our podcast network. So be sure to check them out um, and check out the network as well. And Yeah. Just want to thank them again. And got anything, Rach? Nope. That's it. All right. Thank you, guys.
2: Bye. Bye